0: You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything, with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about This and That. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of This and That, our eclectic podcast where we talk about everything that's anything. You are listening to Brenda, also known as Miss BrenBren. And this is David, aka The Professor. And today is March 30th, 2019. And this is our 10th podcast, is it not? It is! Hooray! And uh, before we get into what we're going to talk about on this particular podcast... Uh, We want to give a shout-out to all of our listeners that are coming from near and far. Uh, When David and I were looking into um, where some of our listeners are coming from, um, we have people from Nashville, Tennessee, somewhere called Strawberry Plains.
1: Tennessee, yeah,
0: which is apparently outside of Knoxville, the other Mm -hmm. side of the state. Yeah, Washington, D.C., and... Some everywhere else. So, again... California, Texas, Ireland. Yeah. So, we are picking up steam with our listener base, and we want to thank everybody again for tuning in on demand. And when they tune in on demand, where can they listen to us at?
1: Well, they can check out the podcast on our uh, home, SoundCloud, as well as listen to us and uh, subscribe through such places as um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play Music, Stitcher,
0: um, Spotify, and TuneIn. Right, and so when you do listen to us, be sure and send us an email at
1: this and that at That's this the letter N. That, all nine characters together, at sign,
0: aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And let us know what you think and what more you'd like for us to talk about. Because again, we talk about everything that's anything. So speaking of that, this is our tech edition, is it not?
1: Uh, Yes, it is.
0: So, Professor,
1: what are we going to talk about well, gonna talk about and start with um, our "What's Up with That" segment, and essentially the new space race to the moon. And um, not gonna see any thunder, so we'll talk about that. Then I get into um, under the heading of "You Should Know." So mentioned before in the um, banana uh, segment that we had that bananas um, are going extinct, but science is saving them through a technology called CRISPR gene editing so I get into that and then also I talk about 3D printing and people may think they know what 3D printing is all about but this this will show how much broader it's used. and as I mentioned at the end of uh, episode 9 the technologies that are discussed in the tech edition I always talk about some you know, what's up with that kind of thing or whatever that's tech-related. But when you get into these technologies and describe them at a 30,000-foot view so that when you hear things on the news, you'll know, is it real, is it not real, and, you know, what the heck are they even talking about? Um, All of these technologies are revolutionary technologies, and I don't use that term lightly. They're part of what's going on and and has been labeled the, quote-unquote, fourth industrial revolution where the first industrial revolution was steam power, then had electricity, and we have um, IT-related technologies. The fourth one is all this stuff mashed together, and the rate of change is very, very quick, and it's happening before our
0: eyes and has a lot of impact. Well, it sounds like there is a lot that we're going to talk about in our tech edition, so why don't we go ahead and get started? Sounds like a good idea. Let's start out with um, what's up with that. And in an earlier episode, we talked about uh, Chinese landing on the moon. Well, actually, landing on the far side of the moon. And um, we were like, what's up with that? So what's going on with that one? Right, and for people who didn't
1: listen to that, to be specific, we weren't, we're we not talking about Chinese astronauts. We're talking about a Chinese rover um, that was landed on the far side of the moon back on January 2nd or 3rd of this year, depending on which part of the planet you were on at the time. Um, they are on the far side of the moon, the first folks to do that, country to do that, and also, they're doing some real science, as I had talked about before, that's that's groundbreaking. For example, uh, I mentioned that they brought along with them some seeds, fruit flies, yeast, some other things, because they wanted to grow some plants and also see if the stuff would germinate and the like, and it has. So we've had um, vegetation grow in the International Space Station, but this is the first time on a foreign body moon or any other planet but we haven't been to planets yet that human beings have actually grown something
0: so do you mean they were like farmers and they went out and they planted some seeds on the moon no stuff is growing no.
1: no it's it's in sealed containers to protect from radiation and the fact that there's no atmosphere and things like that but it is a box, we'll call it, for lack of a better term. It's a box with these things on it that's, along with the rover, sitting on the moon, growing.
0: So, can I think of this like a greenhouse?
1: Yeah, like a hydroponic garden, if you know, like, a hydro- what that is entails, where you have in the desert or some place where you don't have a whole lot of water, Alaska. For people who watch um, Life Below Zero, Sue had her hydroponic has her hydroponic garden uh, up there, right below the Arctic Circle. And Lost in Space, of course, that's the first time I ever heard or saw a hydroponic garden. So that's the way to think about
0: it, something like that. So can I also think about this as um, what we saw in TV shows has become reality? Uh, Yes, pretty much that aspect of it
1: has become reality. And in The Martian, where you had Matt Damon, he was growing stuff, same kind of thing, but on... We're talking a robot doing it, so it's on a very, very small scale. But it shows that you can do that on a large scale. And where the Chinese want to go with this is they want to see your next step, as you were talking, Brenda, can they actually take the lunar soil and grow stuff with it? Um, They're also more ambitious than that. They want to know can they use the lunar soil and uh, 3D print things like uh, living quarters for astronauts and the like and do that with robots before they start putting Chinese astronauts there so that the living quarters are already there. So that's where the Chinese are going with this stuff. They're thinking permanent settlement on the moon and then take those learnings and go out into the solar system and then the rest of the Milky Way galaxy and the universe.
0: Well, this is definitely not your grandfather's moon landing from the 60s. No. And speaking of moon landing from the
1: 60s and Americans, um, they're not standing still. President Trump signed uh, Space Directive 1, as it was called, and it has nothing to do with Space Force, if you heard that. This was unheralded. And essentially it's, uh, in plain English, uh, let's get Americans back on the moon and make it sustainable. Before, we just kind of went there and came back And that was that. This was, this is, let's make it so it's sustainable. We have um, living quarters on the moon, a base. Um, They're doing uh, manufacturing and so forth. And it's a a big step process. As I talked the last time about space, I said we've been stuck in low Earth orbit, orbit for a while. This is, let's get out of low Earth orbit, get to the moon. Use that as a base of operations, learn some stuff, and then go to Mars. Which is what I and a whole bunch of other people have been saying for almost 30 years now. This, okay, we're done with the moon, go straight to Mars, has never made any sense. Um, it's just like the explorers. When you look at the the Vikings and other explorers, they didn't hop all the way across the Atlantic. They had they had you know bases and stepping stones to get there. And it's the same thing. We need the same same kind of thing. And the moon is a great way to do that. So. The, that's the timeline the, the Chinese typical fashion they, have, they don't put timeline in, in their stuff that way they never fail that's just my opinion that's why they don't do it we have timelines and you know Americans we have these deadlines of when in the mid-2020s this stuff will happen and then we should know enough and have things in place so by the 2030s we can start sending people to Mars
0: well I think there is definitely going to be more to come in future tech editions, about the new space race. Absolutely. This is just scratching the surface.
1: We're going to be talking about two core technologies that are revolutionary to our lives in use today in a lot of ways um and that I will get into. The first part is um I mentioned in our uh very popular banana segment in a previous podcast and this is gene editing, specifically CRISPR gene editing, CRISPR without the e, C R I S P R all caps, that's the acronym. And then I t- will get into 3D printing.
0: All right, so this is falling under the category of you should know. You should know. Yes. All right. So what should we know about uh, gene editing? Well,
1: with gene editing, and like a lot of things in science and technology, it was completely discovered by accident. Uh, and it was discovered by accident way back in the 1980s. You had European scientists that noticed, they were fooling around with genes and like in various bacteria. I don't why they were doing It isn't important for this, for this. But they noticed that there were these odd sequences within the genes that they didn't really understand there, there would be like um, um, pieces of the genes and proteins that made sense and then they, there was like what they called junk real good scientific term and then you'd have these kind of spacers and in only a term that scientists would come up with they came up with you know quote unquote CRISPR that's what they called this stuff and CRISPR is clustered regular interspace short palindromic repeats. Only a scientist could come up with that. Yeah, so, only a scientist. <laughs> so they called it CRISPR to shorten it. Now, it turns out that this stuff turns is really the immune system of bacteria. This is what they discovered later on in the some some part in the nineties. So bacteria have immune systems? Of course, that's why they're still around. They've been around millions of years. They have immune systems and it's very very primitive immune system for bacteria and microbes so when these things are and this is why viruses which are which are bacteria are kind of simple viruses are more complex and um we still have bacteria viruses have not wiped out bacteria which and this is this is why um more than likely so when you have some bacteria infected microbe that's exposed to a new virus it's never seen before What the bacteria does, it cuts, it kind of cuts part of that invading virus's DNA. This is what they, the junk, that they didn't understand back in the 80s. That's the junk. And then it stores it between these spacers or dividers, which are palindromes. Um, And that way, if the thing returns, it can look in and then it figures out how to defeat the thing. And so if the virus comes back later, it kind of, it's like a filing cabinet. It can go through its little filing cabinet and go, hmm, have I seen this before? Oh, I've seen this before, and this is how I get rid of it. And it gets rid of it right away. Now, it took folks until like 2011 or so to figure out all the details of how this worked. And then you had a scientist, Emmanuel Charpentier, um, I'm probably butchering his or her name, because I'm not sure if it's male or female, the person, determine that there are three things that make this sequence up. And I'll just tell you in plain English. It's like there's enzymes, and enzymes, they're like scissors. They're the things that are cutting away this DNA piece of the virus to put in the filing cabinet. Then you have basically RNA. RNA, forget about RNA, you have DNA and RNA. Forget about that. It's not important here. RNA, for us, think of GPS. The RNA are GPS coordinates, so you got scissors and a GPS coordinate. And then you have a third component that's kind of like the robotic arm of your robot surgeons that has a scalpel and the like. You have something that holds the scissors in place and uses that GPS to know exactly where to cut. And this carpenter or charpentier was like, hmm, can we use this to kind of edit you know DNA because people by then you had the genome and they were fooling around with DNA and, um, and the like and it was like could you use this to actually edit genes and the answer of course otherwise I wouldn't be talking about this is yes and all the tools since 2011 that these scientists use are based on this technology and this is revolutionary because before then The way, if you wanted to edit a gene, and we'll just use editing, we'll talk about, you know, printing, word processing, that type of thing. If you watch the show Highlander, which Bren Bren does, and because of that, I do, and it's actually a pretty decent show. um, Jamie. It's
0: not Highlander, it's Outlander.
1: Oh, see, it's Freudian slip, because there can only be one. I love Highlander. But it's Outlander, yes. Outlander. (laughs) Uh, which sorry jamie (laughs) um yeah outlander yeah it's not duncan mcleod or the Cloud mcleod um different scott so outlander jamie and outlander as of season three had become a printer which was a very lucrative business but it was very tedious so to put it in a 21st century context if, if your dog or cat is lost and you want to you know, print handbills. Back with 18th century technology, that meant going to somebody like a Jamie. Jamie then had to painstakingly look at these wooden blocks, that's the fonts, and then the lettering, put all this stuff together, mix the ink in the color you want with creating the paper, if you didn't buy the paper, and then press the thing. Oh, typo, gotta do it again. So it was an all-day process to get what you wanted, and then you had to press and press and press and press to make your, let's say, 20 copies go around the neighborhood. Now, today, 21st century, you just use Microsoft Word as an example, you type up whatever you want, you take a picture of Fido or Fifi, and you slap that in there, you print it however many times, and you're done. So, gene editing before CRISPR, Think Jamie, 18th century, one step removed from Gutenberg in the printing press. Now, it's Microsoft Word 2019. That's how revolutionary CRISPR is. And people are using this technology all over the place for a whole bunch of different things. They're editing genes to um, make food, because again, commercial application, they're making foods more resistant to diseases. This is how bananas are not going to go extinct. The black fungus, uh, f- uh, black uh, virus that was black stripe virus that was killing off bananas in in um, Africa. They used CRISPR so that they created now bananas that are resistant to that virus. And because they've mucked around with bananas, it's in their DNA and it will be carried on generations and generations. They're making fruits and vegetables that are um, naturally last longer without preservatives. Things like that. And that's just in food. Now, you had this... uh, People have talked about, in theory, could you use this to wipe out sickle cell... um, um, Not polio. um, Hemophiliacs, diseases, things like that. Could you use it to wipe out a lot of these rare diseases that are hard to get to, and also there's no profit motive because there aren't enough people in the world. Can you? Um, you can in theory. Now, this Chinese scientist went one step further, and he he's the person who gene-edited the twin girls so that they can never have HIV. And as I, I mentioned when I talked about this, people didn't believe it because he posted a YouTube video, wasn't peer-reviewed, and all this other stuff. And then they really looked into it, and the technology, and like, oh yeah, he did use CRISPR, and... These, these twin girls can never have HIV. And because he did it in the embryo, just like our bananas, it's in their DNA. So when they have children, their children now will have that DNA-resistant strand, and which it brings the problems with CRISPR. We don't know the domino effects of fooling around with this. So like all technologies, there's good and bad, we just don't know. And that's why it's unethical. It's always unethical to experiment on humans, and that's what he did. He experiment on humans, but we don't know the long-term impact of this. And there's certain countries that are saying, you, "CRISPR using CRISPR on food is you know they're not going to accept it. It's the same as genetic modification." And other people are looking, well, no, genetic modified food is da, da 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 da, and this is not that. So the jury's still out on where things are going to go with CRISPR, but. I think on balance, it's, it's a good technology and it'll be definitely revolutionary and cure, it cure a lot of things, quote unquote, in the future. You won't have to do, uh, like bone, you hear about every now and again, people get bone marrow transplants and stuff wiped out and they are cured of, like for example, certain forms of multiple sclerosis. But of course, the process that gets them there, they could have died several times during that process.
0: With just gene editing, you don't have that issue. So gene editing and cloning, two different things. Absolutely, completely unrelated. All right. Cloning So is... we'll talk about cloning in a future tech edition.
1: Well yeah, we'll talk about cloning in a future tech edition because people ask about cloning, but cloning is not revolutionary per se. It's not gonna change your life inside out the way all this stuff is happening with CRISPR. There's so many things that are happening today with this technology and nobody's even heard about it for
0: the most part. All right, well, I guess CRISPR is just going to get CRISPR. Yeah, okay, I know it was bad, but... And you talk about my
1: singing. What can I say?
0: Well, that takes us on to 3D 3D printing.
1: Yes, and 3D printing is, just as the name implies, it's the process where you're creating a three-dimensional solid object, and that object started in a computer digital file, essentially. Um, But it's much, much more than that. That's just kind of 30,000 foot what's going on. Now, 3D printing started way back in, again, when they started doing it. They started thinking about it in the late 70s, but they started doing it in the late 80s. Um, and it really was a way for manufacturers to do what I would term rapid prototyping. So, for example, if you were building a car, this is one of the reasons why auto shows are still there, because it gives them an excuse to build a real car. Even with computer-aided design systems and stuff like that, you've got to build it, assemble it, see if the physics are going to work and all the other things that people care about, intangibles, and now we've got all those technologies with touchscreens and, and everything else. That takes a while. To do. Now, 3D printing was: could you do rapid prototyping and come up with something that was real solid and work and shorten the time from weeks, in some cases months and years, to you know hours, days, and if it's very, very complex, maybe weeks. Uh, so that's where it started. Then it it kind of became, um, I would say, most and this is where most people have heard of it. It's gotten out into the consumer space as kind of a hobbyist thing or in the case of education, uh, teaching people computer-aided design, modern manufacturing processes. You have these maker clubs here in Southwest Ohio, the Cincinnati um, um, Library, which is an excellent library. They have their maker space and there's all these other maker fairs and things like that where people get together. They share the digital files. Here's what I created. I created this, you know, whatever vase, model, etc., those type of things. That's where most people know 3D printing. But again, it is well beyond that. For for example, most people think 3D printing it's gonna be with plastic, albeit today, military grade plastic that is very, very hard and and, and you know, unbreakable. If you knock it off a um, a three or four, four foot cabinet in your kitchen or, or counter space, it's not gonna break. But did you know that you can 3D print with metal. And in fact, in Taiwan, which is, you know, the Chinese would say it's a runaway province, and other people, like the United States, would say, no, it's a separate country where they have the Civil War of China and they're, they're a separate country, kind of, sort of, um, because we want to play ball with, with mainland China. They've been they've been toying around with 3D printing for a while because... Um, they can't really get arms. They didn't want to protect themselves from potential invasion from mainland China. So they have a burgeoning arm industry, arms industry, as in weapons. And they've been 3D printing, not the plastic weapons you might have heard about in the news where this guy was like, oh, here's a plastic gun or whatever. No, they've been 3D printing metal, weapons-grade metal, uh, aircraft-grade metal objects for a while now, to the point that Um, airsoft, which is um, basically it's like paintball, but you play it with BB guns that shoot plastic BBs, whatever. It's down to where they're printing airsoft weapons. Metal airsoft weapons. For use by hobbyists. So that's how pervasive it is for them.
0: That's pretty revolutionary. Yes, and it's been around for a while. This
1: is not new stuff. Um, The first 3D printed cars, mainland China speaking of them, they're looking at 3D printing entire cars. As I mentioned, you have these auto shows and everything else. They're like, this takes too long. This is just stupid. So they want to 3D print a car, and they're really looking at it. And they're looking at, well, if we can 3D print a car, why not 3D print a house? And um, in the medical field, people are looking at 3D, and it's already happened, people have 3D printed tissue, bones, custom prosthetics, this is all stuff that has happened.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I thought I'd heard about people 3D printing um, body parts. Yes. It's to the point now that uh,
1: it's not just body parts. In the U.S. we talk about hand. Most of the stuff has been prosthetics that people have printed. And every now and again you'll hear about tissue and and really some of the simpler organs. But the Chinese planted a 3D printed spine into a little boy who was paralyzed back in 2014. And that boy is not paralyzed now, today. So again, these are things that are happening. Again, that's pretty revolutionary. Yes.
0: And also kind of scary too.
1: Right. And that's just, like I said, there's no limit to what you can do with 3D printing. I'm just talking healthcare and kind of manufacturing, but they're looking at um, synthetic biology, and, and especially the military. What do I mean by that? If you watch any kind of science fiction shows about super soldiers and things like that, that's what the military is looking at. Can they, you know, make bionic people like Steve Austin? Do you 3D print stuff and deliberately kind of chop off people's hands? You know, they haven't gotten to that piece yet. They, but that's what they're thinking. So that they, they've they been working on, exo and they have like exoskeletons that they've been making the traditional way. So now they're thinking about, can we 3D print these exoskeletons to bring down costs and to make it, you know, given how material science, and everything else works. And then somebody in their DARPA, the research arm of the Pentagon is like, why don't we stop this? Why don't we just 3D print human bionic body parts and make, you know, human, humanized super soldiers? They don't have to wear a suit. So they're thinking way down. So the suits will come first. And are, the suits are out now that they, you just haven't seen a war or anything where they deploy it. They have mass numbers of people in these suits. But they've been, been testing these suits now for a good 10 years. So you'll see the suits first. And then I, I think the second half of this century, that's where you'll have indistinguishable super soldiers. They'll have like eye implants like Riddick, you know, so they can see in the infrared and, and other stuff like that. And this will be all 3D printed technology that'll make that happen.
0: Well, it sounds like the future is now.
1: We have our words of wisdom. And in keeping with our tech theme, uh, this week, this podcast episode, we're choosing somebody from the tech world. And that someone is... Dr. Mae Jemison, Jemison, however you pronounce her name. Apologies to her if I'm mispronouncing it. But Mae Jemison was born in Alabama, raised in Chicago. She's a physician, engineer, educator, entrepreneur. A lot of people will know her as the first African-American woman or first woman of color to go into space on a space shuttle mission in 1992. Uh, before she even went to NASA, she had a, a completely other life, and she was only in NASA six years. So it's amazing to me that people know her for that, but she's done so much more before and since. Now she's known for uh, primarily a quote about imagination, several different quotes, and she said this a lot of different ways. And I'll just speak it here, and then we'll hear from her. Her, in her words, expansions on uh, this theme. And the quote is, never limit yourself because of others' limited imagination. Never limit others because of your own limited imagination. And as I said, she a variation of the theme on that, which is basically, "Don't don't limit yourself. You can do and be so much more than what you think. And as I said, on that point, Here's Mae Jameson in her own words.
2: I grew up in the 60s. I lived on the south side of Chicago. And I was a young girl who loved to stare up at the stars. I imagined myself going there. I studied all the things about the Apollo program. I knew what mission was going to take place when, what it was supposed to accomplish. I decided to go to medical school because I wanted to do something called biomedical engineering. While I was in medical school, I had the opportunity to go and work in a Cambodian refugee camp. I went on to study group in Cuba. I worked with the flying doctors in East Africa. But I still wanted to go into space, so I applied. I picked up the phone. I called down to Johnson Space Center. I said, I would like an application to be an astronaut. They didn't laugh. I turned in the application. There may be a certain naivete when I say, when I applied to the astronaut program, I didn't even think about the fact of whether I would be the first African-American woman in space or anything like that. It didn't even cross my mind. I wanted to go into space. I couldn't have cared if there had been a thousand people in space before me or whether there had been none. I wanted to go.
1: Okay. So, as you can see, she really wanted to go into space. I don't know very many people growing up And we grew up around the Apollo era that actually knew all the missions and everything else and who was doing what, when, when, where. Um, But the point out of that is she wanted to go into space. She had been a doctor, very active, as you see, and she just called NASA up and said, I want to apply to be an astronaut. And they said, no problem. Fill out this form or whatever else they said. Which brings me to my point. Don't limit yourself. All you have to do is ask, try, apply, whatever it is. The worst that's going to happen is folks will say no or no, not today, come back later. But you don't know unless you just try, ask. Very simple. You'll never know what kind of doors will be opened up.
0: Don't you agree? And the one thing that I would add to that is that just because somebody says no to you doesn't mean you give up. That just means you might have to try a different approach or you, got to might, you might have to try a little harder or do something differently. But the thing is, you don't give up. You try and you move forward.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. All the folks I've met who are quote-unquote successful The one trait I would say they have is persistence. They don't take no for an answer. They don't give up. They don't stop trying. It's a famous thing about how many times when you come to the light bulb, Thomas Edison just kept trying and trying and trying. It was like hundreds of times until he got it right. So persistence on top of just ask, just try.
0: Yeah, and I I think another point to add that comes into the uh, tech edition There is no such thing as failure. Failure is a good thing. Yes. So it's called, again, you keep trying. Absolutely. And that brings our tech edition to a close, does it not? It does. First tech edition is now in the books,
1: and I will attempt To make this a quarterly um, occurrence in our podcast. Make no promises yet.
0: So when you say quarterly appearance, does that mean four times a year we're going to be doing a tech edition? Four times a year. Get used to it. That sounds very exciting. But in the meantime, we will be talking about everything that's anything. And that includes... On the next edition, we're going to give, um, an update on what's going on with Jesse Smollett. Um, because either he's a very, um, lucky lucky (laughs) African-American male, um, he just overcame 16 counts of, um, being, char- being charged, and not only that, only has to do two days' worth of community service and pay a $10,000 fine.
1: Well, well, we'll get into the details next week because this is what they like to say, an evolving story.
0: Oh, yeah, it's evolving, and um, we're definitely going to have to uh, dig into this some more to see if he was very lucky or if he had a little help. And uh, we'll, well, obviously there'll be other topics as well.
1: And um, if you want to hear about a topic, a what's up with that, and so forth, have any type of feedback for the show, including the tech edition. What did you like about it? what, what tech topics do you want to hear in the future? Just uh, drop us a line at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that all nine characters together at sign about greater Cincinnati.com until
0: the next time. All the best. Peace out. Bye folks. You have been listening to this and that a podcast collaboration about some of everything about this has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, Interested in sponsorship and/or advertising? Please email us at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you, and all the best.